All right, so we're in this series called From This Day Forward. Uh, the idea of this is, I don't know what your marriages look like if you're married. Uh, maybe you're divorced. Maybe uh, you've dated. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, but here's the idea, is that we're all going to make a commitment from this day forward, that today, no matter what it's looked like, no matter where you've been, that today, from this day forward, we're going to make several commitments uh, to the people around us. Commitments that we believe will benefit you and your relationships, and specifically your marriage, or if you're dating or ever hope to be married. Uh, Two things, three things we're really hoping to do. One is we want to invest in those who are hoping to get married one day. We want to to do that. Uh, Two, uh, we want marriages that that are really struggling, that are hurting, that are on life support, maybe they're on the brink of divorce, uh, that, that we believe that God could rescue those marriages, that God could save those. Uh, maybe you have a good marriage and you just really want a great marriage. We think that can happen uh, through this series as well. But we really do believe, and I really hope no matter where you're at, no matter what box you check uh, when you fill something out, uh, I, I really hope that all of us will take something away from this series, that we will benefit in our relationship with God and with each other because of what God is going to teach us uh, over the next four weeks. Uh, so last week, the first thing we talked about this commitment is to seek God. And that looks a lot different for all of us because you're at all different places in your journey with God. Uh, but we said really number one is to seek God. The, at one point, Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing that we should be doing? And he just says to love God. Let, love God with everything that you have, your heart, your mind, your soul, everything that you are should love God. The decisions you make, what you're about, should go through the filter of loving God. But what happens oftentimes is we, we look to someone or something to complete us or to fully satisfy us or to make us happy. And so what happens is instead of seeking God is we're seeking someone or something. And so instead of making God our one, we make someone else our one. And it's crippling to people. It's, it's unbearable for that person that that's been put on. It doesn't take much for us to look around and see that we worship other things, that we worship money, that we worship our possessions, we worship sports. I mean, emotionally, the the emotions I have when my team loses, there's something there because we've, we've bought into that and we care so deeply about it. But if you are married or you're dating, when you you put your spouse as your one, you've made them your God. Well, they're not perfect. And so when they mess up, when they screw up, it's devastating to us. And so we have to understand that this first commitment we're going to make is to seek God. And I challenge you and said, what if you just begin to pray? Like no long list, no no 10 things that you need to do. Just just begin to pray. No no special churchy language, just a conversation with God. You begin to pray for yourself. You begin to pray for your spouse. If you have kids, you pray for your your kids. You pray for your job. You, You just begin to seek God in prayer. And then if you're really bold, and, and guys, I challenge you specifically, and I'll challenge you again, begin to pray for, with your wife if you are married. That may be scary, that may be difficult, maybe just start by praying for your meals. But, but what would happen if we begin to seek God? So that was week number one. Now the next four weeks, uh, today, uh, we're going to learn how to fight fair. Learn how to fight fair. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about having fun. Uh, it, it may be a little PG-13, uh, it won't be uh, R at all, but maybe a little PG-13 on having fun. I'm sure you can imagine maybe what we might talk about a little bit. So I'm going to have fun talking about that. Um, 
And so then uh, week four, staying pure. And then week five is to never give up. To never give up. These are the commitments that we're going to make together. So this week, we're going to learn how to fight fair. I remember when I was a boy, uh, one of my favorite things to do was to box with my dad. And uh, these are little kid gloves. And these were the kind of gloves I had when I was uh, a little kid. And then my dad had these big gloves. And so as a boy, one of my favorite things to do in the evenings were to box. And I remember my dad would get on his knees. We'd be eye to eye, and he would let me just, just hit him just as hard as, as hard as I could. And I remember thinking as a boy that we were really boxing, that we were really fighting, that at some point, someone was going to win. But now, now that I'm a dad... I know that it was never the intention of my dad to win. That when we put on these gloves, he was never hoping to beat me up, thankfully, right? <laughs> right? He gave me a shot here or there, but, but honestly, it was never his intention to fight to win, to punish, to destroy me. Now, here's, here's what I think. Often in relationships, when we think of fighting, that's not how we think. When we think of fighting, we think, all right, I'm putting the gloves on because I need to win. Because it needs to be my way. And so we put the gloves on, we get prepared, and we think, all right, let's go at it. And at some point, there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. But what if? What if we took the gloves off and how we think of fighting and we realize that nothing good comes from that? Nothing good comes from entering into a fight, into an argument, with the mentality that someone loses and someone wins. So if we're going to better our relationships, if you want your relationships to look better, your, your work relationships, family dynamics, your parents, your children, your spouse, if you want those relationships to look better, we have to learn how to fight fair. Now this is what I love about this teaching Uh, What we're going to talk about this morning, it honestly doesn't matter if you follow Jesus or not. Like, we really want you to. We really believe that 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 is the goal for us, that that we want everyone in here to understand who who God is, that God loves you, and that we want you to follow him. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I just don't know if I'm there yet. That's okay. We're glad you're here. Have a conversation with me about it if you feel comfortable, but, but I'm glad you're here. But this is honestly one of those teachings, if we'll just look at it as good teaching, that, that, that this, the Bible, has really good teaching for us. And so if each one of us would believe that and put it into practice, I think that your lives could look different. And here's one thing I, I didn't really understand before I got married, specifically. And that was this idea that you're going to fight. I do premarital counseling with couples, and that's one of the things we talk about. You're going to fight. You're going to have issues. And sometimes you're going to fight over dumb stuff. Dumb stuff. Just real quick, toothpaste. Who squeezes toothpaste from the middle? Who squeezes it from the end? Okay, so maybe that's an argument you've had. Maybe not. Uh, The toilet seat up. Maybe that's one in your house. That's often a common one. Maybe uh, she takes too long to get ready, and so you're always late. Or maybe he takes too long to get ready, and uh, you're always late. Uh, Here's two for uh, for mine. I'll, I'll go small. Uh, For me, it's my wife leaving her shoes in our small bathroom. Um, That was one of ours for a long time, and I've learned that it doesn't really matter. 
Um, for me, it's not finishing projects. Uh, it's starting a lot of projects and being really excited about what I've done, but never really completing them. Those end up in some of our uh, arguments. And, and maybe it is the small stuff. But I also know there's a lot of big stuff, specifically in marriage relationships. We fight over money. Money is one of those things that, that if you're dating or you're married, that, that gets uh, in there and it, it creates this uh, chasm between people often. We actually want to help you with that. We're, we, we have a financial peace class we have. I honestly think my wife and I took that the first year of our marriage, and it set us up to really have a healthy marriage. And so if you've never done financial peace, we'd love for you to be a part of financial peace. There's some information in the bulletin. But that's one of those things that can cause a lot of problems and a lot of issues. The decisions you make about having kids, about raising kids, uh, those are some of those things that get in there. At work, the, the, the things that aren't done like you want them to be done. Your, your boss disrespecting you. Things not happening like they said they were going to happen. The, these things cause tension. And here's the deal. We all fight with someone. We have these arguments with people. And specifically if you're married, couples are going to fight. And what I've understood is oftentimes these come down to unmet expectations. Usually what happens is you think something's going to go one way, and you think maybe you've even said this is what I expect, but when they're not met, that's often where the tension comes from having unmet expectations. So where does this come from? Why does this happen? Why, why does it seem like, all, you know, all relationships are difficult, but, but it seems like marriage is one of those relationships that's really hard. Being married, I said last week, getting married, that's easy. It takes some money, you go get a, a, a license, you find someone to do it, that's easy. But, but being married is hard. And being good at being married is really hard. And why is that? Well, here's what I believe. When, when you become married, you've taken two broken people. Two people with baggage, two people that have make, made mistakes, two people who have different personalities, and you put them in a position to live together and to do life together all the time. Hard. You know, other people you can walk away from, you can leave, but, but specifically in a marriage, you don't do that. And so you're kind of forced to deal with it. And so we deal with it in a lot of unhealthy ways. But this is all of us. And the reason I know this is all of us is Paul in Romans 6.23. Paul's this guy who plants churches. He, he begins to follow Jesus and he plants churches and he, he writes to people and he says this. Uh, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all, everybody, whether you really know it or admit it or understand what sin looks like, everyone has messed up. And so because we've all messed up, we, we bring that into relationships. So we bring our own needs. We bring our own wants we bring our own expectations our own experiences the things you saw your parents do right the things you saw your parents do wrong you bring all that in that's why when you first get into a relationship there's this thought of well my mom didn't do it that way don't say that but you might think that my mom didn't do it that way or my my dad would have never done that so you bring all of this in it's interesting because I, I i really enjoy doing weddings and it's interesting to me when you do a wedding and you have the the bride and the groom, and you have their wedding party, and then usually what happens is the guests come in and they sit on the bride's side or the groom's side. And so it's always interesting for me as I, as I look out, and, and it's a picture for me to say this person brings all of this into a relationship. 
And this person brings all of this into a relationship. It makes it difficult. And you're going to argue. And you're going to let each other down. And you're going to be disappointed. It really is the idea of oil and water. I don't know if if you know this, and I'm, I'm guessing you do, but oil and water will not mix by itself. So it just won't, it won't happen. And the reason is because they're completely, they're opposites. If you're in science, or you're probably way smarter than me, so you can explain this better. But my understanding is they're so different, they simply cannot mix. No matter what you do to those two by themselves. A lot of people think opposites attract, but op- opposites often attack. We like to think opposites attract, and they do for a period of time. We think it's we think it's nice when we first start dating, but, but honestly, opposites end up attacking. But do you know what happens when you add detergent to this, to a liquid soap, a liquid soap to this? What it does is it allows the two to be bound together. That the soap almost acts like a buffer, and it changes the, the makeup of the water and the oil, and it then can mix. That's why when you clean a pan, you, you add the, the dish detergent to be able to do that. So what is it? If we're like oil and water at times in relationships, well, what is that thing we need to add to it? And I believe today it's this idea of learning to fight fair. Not that you're just going to stop fighting because you're probably going to still fight with people. You're going to still probably fight some in your marriage. But, but what if we were able to learn to fight fair? Now, unhealthy fighting, and I, and I looked at it just a little bit a minute ago, is the idea that I'm fighting to hurt. I'm fighting to hurt. I'm I'm fighting to diminish the other person's feelings. I want them to feel bad about what they've done. It's to punish. It's the idea to fight to win. There's a winner and a loser, and I'm going to do everything I can to be the winner, to have personal victory. That's the unhealthy side of fighting. But but what about fighting fair? What, What would that look like? I think it's the idea to fight to grow. There's some things you may need to fight about. There may be some things in your job. There may be some things with your kids or with your spouse that you need to sit down and you do need to have it out and you need to fight about it. But only with the intention to fight to grow. That in the middle of that, that love is the driving force to it. That it's simply because you love that person so much that you have to figure out how to work it out. It's a, it's a spirit of understanding. The, the idea of moving forward with that person And finally, it's not this personal victory, but it's a victory for the couple, that you're fighting towards resolution. That's how you begin to fight fair. And and so how do we do this? And and why is it so important? There's this psychologist, his name's John Gottman. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read him. He's a a clinical psychologist, 40 years of watching marriages, of, of watching couples. And he set this place up called a love lab in Seattle, Washington, and he invited couples to come in and live in this lab, and he observed them for a period of time. And he would watch them, and he'd watch how they'd interact, but most importantly, he'd watch how they fought. And he says that within the first three minutes of an argument with a couple, he has a 96 success rate of saying how that argument is going to end. Within three minutes, he can say, this is how the argument's going to go. And then even deeper, 90%, 90%, he can tell if a marriage is going to make it or end up in divorce after watching these couples. And it comes down to, one of the main things it comes down to is how couples argue. Number one, 
And the second thing we're going to talk about next week is, is having fun, is how people pursue one another in marriage. But, but he points out and he says that it's so important to learn how to argue. Uh, tonight, uh, we start a small group. I hate to call it a small group, discussion group, a time of a little bit of a deeper teaching. Uh, we're going to meet tonight, 630 to 7:30. You're, you're welcome to uh, join us. Uh, we have free childcare, 630 to 7:30. We're going to go into his teaching a little more in depth tonight, uh, if you want to join us. Uh, but to me, it just showed the weight of learning how to fight, how to fight fair and the importance of that. And so scripturally, what, what can we learn? We're going to look at a passage, and maybe this is familiar to you. Today, what we're talking about may not be mind-blowing. Uh, you may hear it today and think, oh, I've known that for a long time. Maybe it's a reminder. Maybe it is completely new, and you think, man, if I only knew this a long time ago, it would have saved me so much pain and suffering. Uh, but we're going to look at a passage in James, uh, James 1, 19. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, don't have a Bible, there should be one around you that looks like this. Uh, we'd love to give that to you. You can take that. That's uh, our gift uh, to you. Uh, James 1.19. This is written by a guy named James uh, who was a brother of Jesus. And here's just an interesting thing about James. When Jesus is doing his ministry, uh, James doesn't believe, his own brother, James doesn't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He doesn't believe it. James actually doesn't believe it until Jesus dies and is resurrected in three days. James finally believes that his brother is who he said he was. This is one of those things for me that says, man, if, if his own brother believes that he is God, his own brother, then, then that says something to me and makes me think, man, maybe I should pay attention to this. So James is going to give some instruction on how to do life. Uh, James is a great book to read about how to apply faith, and so it gives a lot of instruction on how to do life. I often tell people, if you've never read, read, uh, read the Bible, read the Gospel of John and read James. James gives a ton of practical uh, living advice. And so here we go, James 1, 19, he says this, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We're going to break this down. To be quick to listen. Oftentimes when arguments happen, no matter who it is, it really comes down to a failure to listen. It is a failure to want to understand or to hear what the other person has to say. Actually, the word that, that, Paul is, uh, or that James is using here literally means to hear to attend to, to consider what is being said. So if we're really going to listen, if we're really going to do what James is saying, then we listen without having a comeback. We listen without having an argument. We listen without wanting to be just simply heard. James says, look, if, if we don't want it to lead to anger that we're going to talk to in a minute, in a, in a minute the, the very first thing you have to do is you have to be quick to listen which means you have to stop talking, which means we have to put down our phones, we have to turn off the TV, we have to quit doing other things. And when the moment comes when there's an argument or a discussion with anybody, the most important thing, one of the most important things is that you actually listen to the person who is speaking to you. Uh, John Gottman, one of the things that, that he talks about, one of the most dangerous things that he sees in couples is when one person stonewalls 
the other person. And what he means by that is you take a posture of not listening. Folding your arms, of not giving verbal, you know, uh, nonverbal cues, of not paying attention. John Gottman, as a Jewish guy, um, he's not necessarily teaching the ways of Jesus, but this fits here with what James is saying. If you want to do well in relationships, you have to be quick to listen, not stonewall or be just simply quick to talk, to, to quickly give your opinion. So if you're not fighting fair, if you're fighting to win, then you really don't care what the other person has to say. You simply want to get your point across. So the number one thing, if we're going to learn to fight fair, is we have to learn how to listen and to be quick at it. That needs to be our natural response when someone has a problem with us, is to listen and to hear what the person is saying. The second thing James says is if we're going to be quick to listen, then we're going to be slow to speak. If you're quick, list, quick to listen, you're going to be slow to speak. Uh, Proverbs 18.2, Solomon, that one person who is considered to be the wisest man to ever live, he, he writes these proverbs, we believe, to a teenage boy, and he gives him a lot of advice, and uh, he says this, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. say fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions it's like he's saying that one day when you have a wife if you want to be a fool don't listen just talk make sure they know everything you're thinking whenever you're thinking it and it doesn't matter how they'll feel about what you're thinking all you're concerned about is airing your opinions now this is hard this is hard because it goes back to the fact that we're all messed up and broken and as the bible says that we're sinners and so in being sinners we're really selfish people and so we become very defensive especially if we feel attacked and so we don't want to find understanding we we don't want to pursue being quick to listen we just want to be heard i see this in my relationship with my daughter lately She's now nine, and we have these discussions or arguments, and, you know, she's getting older, and so she's getting better at it, and we have these dialogues, and, and I found myself not listening to her, and I found myself cutting her off and telling her what she needs to do or what she needs to hear, and just a couple of weeks ago, I just remember it, she says, will you just listen? Will you just listen? I wonder in how many relationships specifically, there's been these moments, maybe we haven't verbalized it, but internally we're like, man, would you just listen? Would you just listen and, and quit, being, quit being so quick to speak? So, so we can be quick to listen and slow to speak. And James is going to say that this is going to lead us to be slow to be angry. Uh, Solomon says in another proverb, he says this, Proverbs 21, 23. He says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Uh, you could say in, in a translation, uh, he who watches what he says doesn't have to sleep on the couch. <laughs> you could say he who watches what he says doesn't have to try and pick up the pieces from the damage he has caused. 
man, the words we speak hurt. They hurt. And so when we fight, and we're not fighting fair, it means we're not listening, we're not guarding what we are saying. Uh, Paul says this, Ephesians 4.29, he's writing to a church in Ephesus, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago when we looked at um, not becoming angry and and dealing with our anger. Uh, He says this, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So when you speak, if you're quick to listen, you have time to think about this. And you have time to ask yourself a couple of questions. And it comes out of what Paul is saying. Is it helpful? Is what I'm about to say to my employer, my employee, my friend, my kids, my parents, my spouse, is it helpful? Is what I'm about to say going to help this person? Is it kind? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Is it necessary? Man, there's been moments where I've said something and I thought that wasn't necessary and now I'm going to have to deal with the, the mistake that I've made. Is it necessary? So is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is uh, just kind of on a side note, something I've seen and just in reading and, and even in my own marriage uh, and the marriages around me. There's kind of two ways people argue and deal with problems, two things. If you've ever talked with me or done premarital counseling with me, you've probably heard these two things. Uh, you have stewers and you have spewers. Now, the stewers are the ones who get upset, and I am a strong steward. They're the ones who get upset, something doesn't go as they want, and you can tell that they're upset. And if you're uh, in, in with uh, a steward, you may know something's upset, and you'll say, what's wrong? And they say, nothing. Right? And you know there's something And here's the thing, I think, specifically because I'm a steward, that I'm more righteous than people who are spewers, right? I'm I'm better because a spewer says what they think, right? You'll you'll never really wonder what a spewer is thinking or feeling or what they're struggling with because they'll make sure you know. And a a spewer would think, man, I put it out there, That's, that's a good thing. But, but both of these are really dangerous because what happens for a, a steward is a steward ends up taking it out on the other person in other ways. So, so you're punishing that person. Even though you're saying nothing is going on, you're punishing that person. And a steward is like setting off a grenade. And it's like saying, oh, that felt good to get it out there and it blows up, but then it hurts the people around you that you've done it to. And so if we understand that it's a balance between the two, that if you really want to be able to fight fair, and if in your relationship or your, any, whatever that relationship looks like, if you have a spewer and a steward, you have to figure out how to become uh, one and get on the same page. And you have to learn how the, the spewer can give the steward a little bit of time, and, and the, the, the steward has to give the spewer uh, uh, the space to say how they're feeling. But, but if we filter it through this, the idea of being quick to listen and being slow to speak, we can do it. We, we can actually make this happen. 
because I understand that unresolved issues aren't helpful. So Paul's not saying, look, don't, don't talk about difficult things. Just make sure the way you talk about it is done in the right way. Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it necessary? D- deal with the problems and the issues in your life. Because what happens is these small problems become big problems. And then one day you do blow up about the toothpaste. And you say, is it really about the toothpaste? And it's never about the toothpaste. I, I remember several years ago my wife was working and I, ha- I started having these extreme chest pains. Didn't know what was going on. I started getting this numbness down my arm, and then I, I just started kind of freaking out. And I've had problems with anxiety after that, but, but at this moment, it wasn't an anxiety issue. I was having just this horrible pain. And so I called 911. My kids are asleep, and the ambulance comes and shows up, and uh, the paramedics are in there, and they're doing all these tests on me, and they think my heart's fine, but they, my wife shows up, and they put me in an ambulance, and they take me to the hospital. And I spend much of the night there, and they're doing all these tests on me, and they can't really figure out what's going on. But I know, you, you just know your body, and you know something's not right. And so a couple of days later, I go to a urologist, because I'd had problems in the past from kidney stones. And so I go to the urologist, and I say, look, I, I think I have a kidney stone. And they do a test, and they found out I had a kidney stone the size of a peanut M&M. And this kidney stone had, had jagged edges on it, and, and it just wasn't good. But this is what I know about kidney stones. Is it didn't just start that way. Yeah. Well, one day I don't have this kidney stone that forms. It, it happened over time. And so when we look at fighting, what, what happens is we don't fight fair. We fight dirty. We fight to win. And over time, we become callous to one another. We just don't ever enter into those arguments or discussions to grow from it, to understand uh, one another, to, to win for one another, to, to have a resolution to what we're, we're doing. It, it starts months, years, something happens and we don't deal with it. We didn't fight fair then. And so we, we have to decide that today, from, from this day forward, we're, we're going to learn to fight fair. And the way we do that, first of all, is we're, we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak. And then what happens? Well, James says that if you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak, well, then you're slow to become angry. When we don't, anger happens quickly. The fight starts and and anger happens quickly. We become angry because we're not willing to work it through. We're not willing to to work together. We want to win, and so we become angry. Here's just a few tips. to, to help you when it comes to the idea of uh, becoming angry. Here, here's just some, some tips. Uh, one of the resources I've been using, a guy named Craig Rochelle, I've been listening to him uh, for literally 13, 14 years. Um, he's a pastor in Oklahoma City, and he wrote a book called From This Day Forward. Uh, I listen to everything I can from him. I read everything. And so this has been kind of the, the skeleton to what we're doing, and, and some of these come from him, and I've, I've tweaked some of it. But uh, number one, no name-calling. So if you want to learn to fight fair, then no name-calling. Name-calling hurts, and it comes out of anger. The, the second thing is no yelling. No yelling. The, the moment someone yells is the moment you're no longer fighting fair. Uh, we yell to be heard, not to listen. And so the moment we yell, it, it's no longer helpful in the Journal of Child Psychology, they had an article in September of 2013. 
Uh, They said yelling at your kids was as harmful as hitting them. They, They interviewed junior high and high school kids and they did this research on them and they found out those who struggled with self-esteem and felt full of shame they, they traced it back and almost all the time it came back to a parent who yelled at them yelling comes out of anger and yelling hurts and so it's not just our kids that it hurts but in relationships specifically in marriages yelling hurts and so we have to choose not to become angry and if we're not angry we won't yell uh, the third thing is the past is the past the past is the past. Uh, Craig Go- Groeschel says to not become historical. Don't become historical. Don't remind the person what they did a week ago or a year ago. Don't, don't keep reminding them of their faults. This comes out of anger. Uh, don't use the words uh, always or never. And some of you have heard this. Some of you know it. Maybe it's just a reminder, but but when you say always or never, it really is just being mean. That you never help me with the kids. You always turn away from me. Those are not true statements. And those almost always come out of anger. And then one of the, the things that I think is most important, and this specifically is if you're married, and, and I walk through this with my, my couples who are getting married, is to not use the D word. That don't threaten with divorce. That that if you're married, uh, don't ever threaten with divorce. It's not beneficial. It's not helpful. It's not necessary. It comes out of anger. And then the last one, and and we've talked about this before, uh, is don't bring up my name. So don't say, hey, remember Kyle said. (laughs) Right? I, uh, I want your spouse specifically to like me, all right? So don't be quick to remind them uh, what Kyle said, all right? It's not helpful to me, all right? We can do this. You can learn to fight fair. You, you don't have to fight dirty. You don't have to fight to win. You can do this. And just let me say this. Last week, I encouraged you to seek God. And some of you would say, man, if I only knew this idea of fighting fair five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't be in the position I'm in. Some of you are still married and things are really difficult in your marriage. And you might think, man, I don't know if it's possible. Last year, I said seek God. This week, I want to tell you to seek help. Do you seek help? Make a phone call. If you need a, a counselor, if you need a list of counselors, contact the office. We'll, we'll help you. There's nothing wrong with seeking help. Nothing at all. And so maybe you feel like it's impossible. There's this moment where uh, Jesus is, is talking about rich people. And he says it's, it's difficult for the rich to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's hard for rich people to go to heaven. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he's just saying just uh, the idea that if you're rich, there's this idea that do I really need God? I have everything that I need. So Jesus is saying it's difficult. And so then his disciples are saying, well, then who can be saved? Who, who is it that can inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, with man, it seems impossible. It seems impossible. But, but with God, all things are possible. All things. 
your marriage is not too far gone. If you have not attempted to save it, if you have not done everything you can, then it's not too far gone. Seek help. It is possible. But, but it won't be done just by you trying to figure it out on your own. This is two great steps to seek God for yourself and with your spouse. And then number two, to learn to fight fair. So here's the, the kind of the one line I'd, I'd love for you to take away. And that's this idea that it's time to stop fighting each other. For, if you're married, it's time to stop fighting each other and to start fighting for one another. Stop fighting each other and start fighting for one another. Would you pray with me? God, I, I, uh, I pray that you would help each one of us, that you'd help us learn how to fight, uh, to fight for the things we need to fight for, whether it's with our kids or with our parents or uh, employee, employer, but specifically, God, with our spouse. W- would you help us learn how to fight fair? W- would you help us put these things into practice that, that we've heard today? Would you help us? It seems impossible, but will you help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, and in, in doing that, we'll be slow to become angry. Help us, Lord, to fight fair. Pray this.